Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott, joined tonight by Jack. We hope you all are doing well. Jack, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good, Scott. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you tonight. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. We got a lot to talk about. This evening, we will be discussing WandaVision. Now that season one has concluded, we'll share our thoughts with you about the show and where we think it's headed. Then we're going to have a chat about what it's like to be streaming so much during the past year, especially new movies that would normally just premiere in theaters, but now we're able to watch them at home. We'll talk about some recent sports news and give you an announcement related to an upcoming Walt Disney World trip that Jack is taking and that I'm taking as well. So we got a lot of good stuff to share with you tonight. And uh, Jack, as always, I begin the episode by asking you, how you, how you doing? How's school going? Everything going okay? Everything is going well. I've been enjoying watching WandaVision, following along with NFL Free Agency, watching some NBA. Um, everything's been great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Same thing as you. A lot of sports going on. We got an exciting NBA season. The NHL is good. Uh, and baseball underway with spring training. I, I really love just putting on the TV on a weekday afternoon and seeing games being played in Florida and Arizona. It gets me ready for spring and baseball and all that. Agreed. I'm not a huge NHL uh, watcher. I don't watch a ton of it, but I just got a text from a friend saying that the Rangers have scored seven goals in the second period, that one of the players had a double hat trick and wow. one was shorthanded, one was even strength and one on the power play. So if anyone is a hockey fan out there, I'm sure they probably caught that game, but definitely check out those highlights. That makes me think, what is the record for most goals scored in a period? It could be seven. I mean, I've never seen a question. That. I could do a quick, uh, Let's see. According to Google, 12 goals in a period. 12 goals. Okay. So the five more and the Rangers got it. Got, well, got to the be fair, this, is, this might be talking about by both teams. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the Rangers individually scored seven. So I don't know if that might be a record. We'd have to do a little bit more deep dive. I don't know if like for one team what the record might be, but who knows? Maybe Maybe history was made tonight. And I'll tell you something interesting, Jack. I just looked this up. Tonight, the Rangers are playing the Flyers. The Rangers are currently winning 9-0, and the Flyers wow. have a much better record. The Rangers are having a sub-500 season. Flyers are well over 500. So it just goes to show anything wow. can happen in sports. For sure. Jack, it's interesting because, you know, when it comes to sports, I've been to tons of baseball, basketball, football, and hockey games. I've been tennis and everything. To me, when you have good seats for a hockey game, there's nothing like it. I just uh, I love seeing any sport in person, but hockey up close, it's a different different feel from watching it on TV in a big way. It's just so physical. You can't help but while you're watching it get into the game. I remember going to hockey games back in high school. It was always absolutely electric. The whole school would go out to them. So. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the when you go to an NHL game, one thing that has amazed me is how fast they skate. You you know they're skating fast when you watch on TV, but when you see it up close in person, it's it's a whole other level, which is really cool. You're like, I can't run that fast, let alone skate that fast and then get decked by someone who's you know six feet, 200 pounds. So it's impressive. I would slip on that ice so fast. <laughs> I'd be trying to get myself up by the time they would lap me. But uh, anyhow, let's turn to WandaVision. I want to tell all our listeners that there will be spoilers. It's impossible to have a discussion about this without there being spoilers. And I wanted to ask you something, Jack, unrelated to the content of the show, but it got me thinking, talking about college. Because WandaVision is released once a week, 
your friends on campus that watch the show, do you get together with them to watch at a certain time or does like everybody kind of watch when they're free and then you talk about it after? How does that work? I think, uh, especially on college campuses right now, since in a lot of them, it's, it's like a police state. They're really strict with enforcing COVID rules. You really don't have a lot of excuses to get together like you normally would just because mm-hmm. of how strict everything is. Right. So at least amongst some people I know, uh, we've been getting together to watch the show on it's, it's Fridays, which is kind of perfect. Um, right. Kind of gives everyone an excuse to get together. Um, but yeah. And I've also been surprised that I feel like Marvel's getting, it's always been mainstream, but I feel like it's getting more and more mainstream that even kids who I know who are not really into comics or the such are like watching WandaVision, watching other shows just because they're so relevant pop culture wise that everyone's talking about them. So I thought that was really interesting because plenty of kids my age and, you know, a couple of years older, younger, they're all watching the show. Yeah, Jack, when I was in college, when The Sopranos was on, we used to get together every Sunday night. I guess it was my junior year and watch with maybe like 15 people or so. That's what I remember about college. Nothing about what I learned <laughs> just <laughs> watching Sopranos. Um, but you're right about WandaVision becoming a pop culture event. I have seen that firsthand with people who have no interest in Marvel, but have latched onto the show. And I think one of the reasons for it is that several of the episodes were based on classic American sitcoms. So for example, people that like watching 1950 shows or 1960 shows, even though they may not get all the references in those episodes of WandaVision, they like seeing a, a recreation of that type of, of uh, TV experience. And that gets them in the door. Agreed. I also think Disney Plus might have done pretty tremendous things for Marvel. It seems like there's obviously a huge Marvel following, but I feel like a lot of people who have Disney Plus now who didn't watch Marvel in the past are now just, oh, it's a new show that's on. People are talking about it. Let's check it out. And they're really Mm -hmm. becoming uh, engaged with the content because I've seen that happen a lot too. They're very good with their marketing. And I also think, and Mike and I were talking about that on our previous episode, that to have the weekly releases, even going back to Mandalorian, that is like, it, to me, it's a great marketing thing because yeah, you can release the entire season at once. And that's really cool if you're able to binge watch it, but setting it up where one episode comes out a week, it creates anticipation, not just among the hardcore Marvel fans, but people, they feel now connected to the excitement and the drama and the buildup. And they're talking about it too. And it just builds on itself. Plus you have Elizabeth Olsen, who is definitely one of the top young actresses in Hollywood. And that brings people in as well. For sure, which always surprised me when you look at shows like Stranger Things, which I guess now are a little bit outdated. Maybe they'll change how they release content going further. Mm-hmm. It's been, been at least maybe a year or two since they've released their last season. But they always used to do like the, you know, the drop and everyone, you can binge all the shows at once, which always surprised me. I just thought, like you said, it kind of builds anticipation if you spread it out. Right. So, I mean, maybe they'll change what they do. Maybe they won't. But going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, another thing I really liked about WandaVision is that you had this amazing combination of types of shows. You had the sitcom recreations, like I mentioned a moment ago, but then beginning with, I think it was episode four of the season, you had something that had nothing to do with old sitcoms, but rather focused on this FBI involvement in whatever Wanda was doing. And you might as well have been sitting down and watching, I was going to say Avengers. I don't mean literally the Avengers, but a a modern Marvel movie. It got me thinking, go ahead, Jack. You can go ahead. I was just going to say, it got me thinking that even though there's been Marvel shows before on ABC, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and so forth, 
and some some on Netflix as well. This to me was the most Marvel movie like TV experience we've had, and I think I'm expecting Falcon and the Winter Soldier to be really successful and good too. These things don't work well just as movies, but they're working well as TV shows. Agreed. That's very and tough to pull off. Agreed. It seems like they made a pretty significant effort, I guess, with the launch of Disney Plus to make it clear that all the shows are going to like continue and develop stories that you liked in the movies. Now, since Marvel took us on this whole journey with all the Avengers movies and pretty much everyone loved the ending, I feel like it gives them a lot of grounds to be like, oh, well, now you got to watch all these other shows because we're going to be, you know, like bringing the story along this way. Because right. if you're not watching WandaVision, for example, then like we said, there's gonna be some spoilers. You might not know that it seems like Vision's back. Like Vision's gonna be alive because at the end of the last episode, um, the Vision in the Mind Stone, you know, Wanda's version of Vision, like grants memories to the sword Vision. Mm -hmm. Sorry if that's confusing anyone, but if you've seen the show, it makes sense. So now maybe Vision's back. And so my point is, that's obviously really relevant because if there are, which there will be more Avengers movies going forward, he'll play a role. And so it seems like a lot of the shows are going to be so canon and so integral to the story. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't really miss them if you watch the movies, which I feel like was different from uh, Marvel uh, agents of shield or agent Carter that they had in the past where you didn't really need to watch them. And they didn't really have a huge role on right. anything you were seeing on the screen, the big screen that is. I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think any of the storylines or characters introduced in those other Marvel shows ended up playing a major role in in this film series. And I just feel like with the success of WandaVision, that's going to change going forward. I'll give you an example. The character of Agatha. It was Agatha all along. That became its own pop culture thing. I cannot tell you how many times on Twitter the day after that episode aired, people were making memes based on the phrase, it was Agatha all along. I actually went online and bought a, a WandaVision t-shirt the other day and I was browsing the selection. There are shirts just based on Agatha. And I think that's a testament to the performance of Catherine Hahn as Agatha, but I also think it's a really cool character. And the way that Wanda ended up dealing with her at the end of the season where she didn't kill her, she basically put her back in that neighborly role that she was in uh which suggests she's going to be around in that role in season two and so forth she was such a success i could see her appearing in an unexpected way in an upcoming marvel movie i just i just could see it and she has an amazingly interesting backstory with the uh the witch trials and so forth she really does and i didn't read these comics but mm -hmm. from what i've understood there the show has been very based on these comics and I do think it's interesting. I think you're right. I think she'll definitely be back in some form, but it just goes to show what well-developed characters can do for a show or for any franchise that is, because she was a new villain and, you know, you never, unless you read the comics, you didn't have a lot of, you know, understanding who she, who she is or what she was going to do. But like you said, she blew up with popularity and that's because she was a well-developed character. Right. When you look at some other franchises that we've talked about, on this show, other people have talked about whether it's Star Wars or whatever, and you see these characters come in, villains, heroes, whatever, and they're just not as well developed. It's hard to really become attached to them. But she was great. They wrote her really well. And that song, by the way, you know, the, the jingle for It's Been Agatha All Along. <laughs> yeah. From what I understood, that was like actually making the charts on iTunes and such as they, they released it, you know, as a, its own little recording because yes. of how popular it is. So the, um, after every episode, they released the soundtrack from that episode. 
And a lot of the stuff, particularly like the WandaVision theme songs for each sitcom takeoff were written by the composers from Frozen. And I suspect, although I'm not sure that the Agatha song was the same way, kind of has that same feel. The, um, yeah, that, she was a great character. And Jack, I wanted to share something with you as we talk about WandaVision and get your thoughts on it. So after the show ended, I tweeted out a poll and I said, what show do you like more, WandaVision or The Mandalorian? And first off, I want to hear your answer to that. And then I'll tell you what the vote was. It's tough. It's very tough. I like both shows a lot. <laughs> I think I'd have to say Mandalorian just for what it did for its respective franchise. Avengers Marvel was already in a great place and it was coming off Infinity War and coming off Endgame, which were both great. People were very excited. So mm-hmm. as much as it could disappoint, it didn't really have to deliver too much, I feel like, for people to be continue, continue to be excited about Marvel and Avengers versus Mandalorian, which there was a lot of criticism. Even me personally, I don't love how they ended the new trilogy. New trilogy, So there was a lot of expectations for Mandalorian, and I feel like it really made me excited about Star Wars again. So for that reason, I'd say Mandalorian. So the poll, the winner was WandaVision, 57 to 43%. It's tight. And people commented what a tough question that was. And again, I think the fact that it's a tough question speaks volumes about Disney Plus. Yeah. That these so, so right there. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I would lean towards the Mandalorian, I think. Just my gut instinct, but there's there's it's personal preference. I wonder if some of the love for WandaVision in that poll was a reflection of the fact that that's just what ended. That's what's fresher in people's minds. But I don't know. I thought that was interesting, that the outcome of that poll. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'll give credit to Mike again when he was on the show last week, when he was talking about WandaVision, he said it's a show that focuses on grief. And that also, to me, was what was one of the things that made it really unique. You know, Wanda, she has suffered vis- Vision's passing, his murder, basically. And you sympathize with her as she tries to recreate a world with vision but at the same time she's trapping the others in this world that she's creating and taking them away from their lives so for example and i guess it was the season finale one of the neighbors the blonde hair neighbor i forget her name when she became her normal self again she begged wanda to free her saying that she hadn't seen her daughter in a long time and wanda as the scarlet witch is one of the she's one of the most powerful superheroes in the Marvel universe, but I don't want to use the word cruelty, but there's a, there's a nastiness to what she's doing because she's trying to bring back her life, but she's taking away others' lives and what they're used to. For sure. I think the emotion in WandaVision is why maybe that poll was uh, the answer. It was, there was just so much to really interact with and love about WandaVision, you know, the relationship with, with vision and then there's also the relationship with her two kids, which I'm sure we'll see in some form or another going forward. It was just a, certainly a lot to handle. But like you said, there are so many layers to it. It was kind of like the lines of what was right and wrong were very blurred, which is a good formula for, for anything in terms of what you're engaging engaging with. Because if it's, it's really defined, it's not as interesting. But since everything was so blurred, it was really interesting from a viewer's point of view to kind of determine like, you know, what is she doing here? What's right or wrong? Is she really mm-hmm. the good guy? Is she really the bad guy? Right. So I thought that that dynamic made the show 
just really powerful. Jack, I wanted to ask you also, what was your favorite episode of the season? That's tough. I think I, I certainly, this is not a direct answer to your question. I loved all the little intros they had with each episode. <laughs> right. I'm not alone in that. They just, they kind of made each episode. They were so right. cool. But I think the last episode had to be just the the last scene with um, as she's closing the walls on her um, world, Westview, as as it's called. And you see her close the door on the kids' room. She says goodnight to them. And you see the last scene with Vision. I think that was just really emotion, emotional. I think it was just a great scene. And um, it kind of goes to show when these, you know, the superhero shows, superhero movies, but they can speak to a lot of things that are larger than just, you know, what might appear to be juvenile in a comic book or the such. Mm-hmm. So I really liked the last episode. Last episode. Uh, last was great. Last one felt very much like a Marvel blockbuster movie with those fight scenes. Uh, so I'll say that in retrospect, you know, I love the, those old vintage sitcoms. So when C, when episode one premiered, there wasn't a lot that happened in there plot wise. It kind of was just setting this world up. But right from the moment it started, I thought to myself, this is so cool because it reminds me of those old time shows, but with a creepiness to it, there's something that's completely off about it. And uh, it's, you know, I've been a Captain Han fan for a long time. I think Elizabeth Olsen is a great actress and Paul Bettany is a top actor. So to see them in these roles, I also really liked episode two, which was the 60s takeoff on Bewitched, where it's the magic show. That that was really good. But again, it, you really it's tough to pick a favorite episode because they all come together as the season develops, where now you can look back and say, okay, we know what Wanda was doing. We know who these characters are. It really... To watch just, you know, at the beginning, one of the complaints people were saying, well, I don't get it. What's it about? It's not, it's not going anywhere. If you stick with it, it does though. And that's really cool. Agreed. And I don't know, uh, I know you like horror movies, Scott. I don't know how many of our listeners enjoy them, but I noticed, I don't know if it was maybe the first couple episodes, but certainly when you got to kind of the, the middle couple episodes, I noticed a lot of just the filming techniques were similar to things I'd see in horror movies, how they'd like slowly pan in on a door frame for no reason at all. How right. They'd slowly pan across rooms. And again, like you said, people were kind of at the time going like, I don't understand the show what's going on. That's what kind of kept me entertained was that there was always something like weird going on here. And just because you kind of thought you had an idea of what the show was, but then they do different things, whether it's with what the actors were saying or how they were filming things that kind of kept you on your toes. You're like, well, right. I really don't know what's going on here. And they kind of, they built suspense so well that it kept you. So, or at least it kept me really engaged throughout the season. Jack, that's a great point. And as you mentioned that, that's not something I thought of, but I went back to the first episode of my mind and the dinner table scene where the guy is choking on the food and his wife, I forget what the phrase was, but she just kept repeating the same phrase, like, stop it. It was stop it, you know, stop choking, stop it, stop it. And the camera went in on her very slowly. That is exactly something you would see in a horror film. It felt like they were always setting up a jump scare. Like, especially if you watch the really like cheesy horror movies, like the really weird, you know, bad teen horror movies that they make nowadays that are just you know get harbor reviews around tomatoes you can always tell when they're setting up a jump scare it doesn't mean they're still not scary but you can just always tell because there's like a very basic formula yes. for how they film and it felt like when i was watching wandavision i was like always expecting a jump scare and sometimes they had really small ones but for the most time they didn't it was just like always keeping you like what is going on here speaking of teen horror movies jack did you see happy death day no but i love vince vaughn so i do want to check it well, out no 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 vince vaughn vince vaughn is in freaky 
That was that's oh, worth seeing. Oh, that's you gotta see Freaky. About. Happy Death Day. It's a Blumhouse movie as well. There's Happy Death Day in the sequel. Happy Death Day to you. Happy Death Day to you is I, I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. But okay. a good teen horror movie is Happy Death Day and Freaky. I loved Freaky. It was one of the best movies I saw in 2020. You gotta see it. Okay, I love Vince Vaughn. So I'll definitely Vince check Vaughn's out. awesome in it. He's he's really great because it's like uh, he does. He could do scary, but he could also obviously be a great comedic. He is a great comedic actor, and he does that well in, in Freaky. So definitely check that out. Um, but Jack, now this is good discussion about WandaVision. I know we're excited for season two whenever that comes out. And uh, I just want to get your quick thoughts as well. As we're recording this, we're a couple of days away from the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the next Marvel Disney Plus series. Um, what, are your, what are your expectations? What are your thoughts? My expectations are certainly lower than they were for WandaVision, just because I really liked um, Elizabeth Olsen and Vision's character. I just I love those characters. When it comes to the Winter Soldier and Falcon, I just, for whatever reason, didn't like love those characters as much. I know they're not like focused on in the movies, but I just don't have too much of a connection to those characters um, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just how the characters are developed, the way they're portrayed by the actors. So my expectations are a little lower, which is why I'm kind of excited to see if maybe they'll rope me in like they did with WandaVision right. or if I'll be like, eh, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to see this show and I'm not really sure what they're doing here, but we'll see. It's interesting you you say that, Jack, because one of the things about the Marvel movies, there's now been so many, there are so many different storylines that you can latch on to. Personally speaking, I'm like you, Jack. I never was that into the Winter Soldier storyline for the most part, but I really wonder now that it's going to be in these 20 to 30 minute episodes, how that's going to change. Will I like it more in this format versus wrapped into a larger film? I could see myself doing that. I mean, they've, as we mentioned a moment ago, they've shown their ability to take Marvel and present it in a TV show format exceptionally well. And that kind of gets me excited for where this is going. Jack, anything else you want to say about Falcon and Winter Soldier? I know we're going to talk about it on a future episode, so we could, I think at this point, let it play out and we'll see what it turns out to be. Yeah, I think at this point, I'll just say I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Right. That's the way I feel. Uh, WandaVision set a high bar, though. It really did. Jack, I, I wanted to also talk tonight on the podcast about the idea of watching so much streaming content over the past year. Obviously, we're not alone in that. Most people are streaming like never before. You've had the emergence of these new streaming services like Paramount Plus, which is really CBS All Access merged into that. But Peacock, the NBC service, Discovery Plus just came out, which is a reality show based service. But one of the most intriguing things is this thing that's happened now where at least for 2021 on HBO Max, they're going to be premiering one movie a month that would have only been in theaters when it opened, but now is opening simultaneously in both theaters and for HBO Max subscribers. And I guess the first one went back to Christmas Day, which is when Wonder Woman 84 came out. And then they had Tom and Jerry, I guess, in February or so. And there may have been one other. And coming up, you got the new King Kong and Godzilla coming out. You got In the Heights, which they did a whole series of commercials on the Grammys for the other night. And I wanted to ask you, have you, for example, going back to Wonder Woman, did you watch that at home? I didn't. And not because I don't love Wonder Woman, but I think 
when it comes to movies, usually I'm always, I kind of, unless I'm really excited about it, I kind of wait to see what, you know, my nuclear circle says, like what they thought of the movie before I consider whether or not I'm going to see it. And I just heard kind of mixed reviews about the new Wonder Woman. So I figured I'd, you know, see it at some point, but I wasn't in a rush. So right. I haven't seen it. I haven't streamed it yet, but I do plan to. Have you streamed any movies that open simultaneously in theaters the same day? I don't think so. I, I think for me personally, I'm going to, I'm going to look forward to being back in theaters. I just feel like it's an experience. I'm like, you know, watching streaming at home. It's just like about being in an actual movie theater and watching it. Right. And I'm very optimistic when you look at, at least in the East coast, we're really, we have a lot of AMCs near us. So I'm really, it looks like AMCs are able, AMC was able to kind of get through this to a degree. So they're going to be, you know, showing movies. I already see that they're showing a couple of movies pretty soon. Right. Um, so I haven't seen any, but have you? So I saw wonder woman and I actually watched Tom and Jerry just because I like Tom and Jerry. And that was a fun movie. It's very interesting, Jack. When this was announced that HBO Max would be showing these movies, I thought to myself, well, that's great because I subscribe to HBO Max. I like the idea of being able to sit down in my basement, put it on whenever I want, take bathroom breaks whenever I want, get food, et cetera. And I do like that. I've enjoyed that. But I will tell you that I don't want that system to continue after this year. You know, I'm hoping and I'm confident that the world will enable these theaters to really reopen. Um, and I like, I miss theaters. I miss movie theaters. I, I like the idea for big releases of going to the movies and seeing the new Marvel movie in the theater or, you know, seeing Wonder Woman 84. Now I, I will tell you, I did not like Wonder Woman 84. I thought it was a terrible movie. I thought there were some cool things about it, but I thought it was a seriously flawed movie. I'm glad that I didn't spend the money to go see it in theaters. I was happy in retrospect to watch that at home, but movie going is a unique experience and there's no home theater experience that the average person has that can truly replicate the, the going to the theater type thing. Now it's really weird because earlier today I happened to drive past a enormous AMC theater, one of these multiplexes and hanging on the side of the theater, they always have these massive billboards for big movies all the billboards that were up go back to 2020. It's like for many of these theaters, they're stuck in time. I happen to walk by another movie theater today. They're showing new movies, but it's not the same. There's like this uh, horror movie deserted feel to the theater. It's really strange. So I just, I am beginning to really miss the normalcy. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I, I miss going to theaters. I miss going you know, just just all that stuff. I'm, I'm anxious to get back to theaters. And even though it's cool to sit down and watch a movie day of release, I don't want it to continue. I, I, I very firmly believe that right now. I think things are, especially when it comes to movie theaters, like they're allowing more and more capacity for people to come watch. So I think, like you said, things will get back to normal to a degree. I also th do remember though, when I would go see a movie and there would be an empty theater as kind of like spooky as it was, it was also kind of cool. Like you yes. have the whole theater yourself. So I think we should all just pretend that we got lucky and got the whole <laughs> theater to ourselves and enjoy it. That is true. You know, it's funny, Jack, I used to, uh, where I work, there's a movie theater very close to my office and I've been known to play hooky quite a few days and go to the movies during the workday. And, you know, I go to see a lot of horror movies and sometimes in the middle of a weekday afternoon, no one else is in the theater. And I'll be watching this horror movie and out of nowhere, the door in the back of the theater will open and some random person will come sit in the back row. And it's a weird thing. I, I don't get scared, you know, easily, but that's pretty freaky when that happens. Um, but it, 
there's a like the King Kong Godzilla that's coming out a couple of weeks. I am looking forward when that comes out. I think it's cool to be able to sit down in the basement and watch it. And I do have a big TV that I'll watch it on. It'll be like a 51 inch TV, but that doesn't compare to going to the theater, getting a snack, sitting down, seeing the trailers, and then on this enormous screen, seeing the story unfold in front of you. It's uh, the movie going experience. We can do a lot at home now that we never knew we could do before, whether it's work at home and obviously stream a lot of content for movies, especially big budget movies. It's not the same. It's just not the same. Completely agree. So now let's turn the discussion over to some sports stuff. There's been a lot going on in the world of sports, especially with these football moves in the off season. Uh, Jack, do you want to load up on your screen? Some of the moves we'll just share our thoughts about them. Sure. So most notable, this is kind of the first one was JJ Watt going to the Cardinals, but there've been a lot. I'll talk a little bit about since we're located on the East coast and a Scott's a Giants fan. Yes. Uh, there's been a couple of, with, couple decisions by the Giants. So first they brought back Leonard Williams, who's a defensive end on a pretty massive contract. He's getting paid among the top five defensive ends. And it's not like he's, it's not like he's not a great player. He's had some, especially the past two years, he's been really good, but, and he could even get that money on, on the open market. So the Giants just really wanted to retain him, which is why they paid him as much as they did. But now the uh, hype is circling because the Giants are trying to bring in Kenny Galladay, who is a very talented wide receiver on the Lions currently, um, but he's, he's a free agent now, but um, who wasn't the Lions. He's, I think he's either 27 or 28, but he, he's very talented and it's kind of been limited due to Detroit's lackluster performance over the past five years, but they are trying to bring him in. I know the Bengals offered Kenny Galladay a contract, but at the time of recording this, the Giants are bringing on planning, planning on bringing him in for a visit and then offering him the contract. So I know Giants fans, I have a couple friends, who are talking about it. They're just static. They, they just want Kenny Galladay so bad. I don't know if he'll fix all their problems, but at least they think they think he will. But it's been interesting to see, I think at least in my opinion, I'm, I'm relatively young. I'm only 19. So I've only watched the NFL for the past you know, 10, 12 years or so. But it's been interesting to me to see this year, especially, it feels like every team is very good. I don't know if that's, that's new, if that's not a new phenomenon, but with the exception of a handful of teams that are kind of in rebuilding mode, uh, you could say maybe not even like some of these teams, I was going to say the Cowboys, but now that Dak is going to be back, like they'll be better. And the Redskins seem like they're putting together a good team. It seems like it's, it's harder and harder to find a team. You're like, Oh, that's an easy win. Like teams that were historically bad, the Browns, uh, the dolphins, they're really good teams now that, are, right. that everyone's saying are contenders to a degree. So I don't know if this is new for the NFL. I feel like growing up, there were always teams that were just horrible. I mean, people could say the lions are still bad. Um, but there's just so much talent. I feel like in the NFL now, maybe it's always been there, but it's just harder and harder to find a bad team. And it's also harder and harder to find a team that can kind of push itself over the edge talent wise to be like the team that wins the Super Bowl, for example, because there's just so many good teams and so many talented teams, but I don't know what you're Scott, you have a broader depth of knowledge on the NFL, a little bit more of a lived experience. So what do you, what do you think? Has, has, is this new or do you think it's always been like this? Let's bring the old man in <laughs> to share some thoughts. Exactly. So Jack, when I was a boy, uh, here's, here's my take on it. You know, normally in sports growing up, there was this sort of cyclical thing where there would be periods of time when a certain team would be good. And then inevitably as their star players reached retirement age, they would fall down in the rankings and the teams that had been getting the draft picks would build their way up and it would go round and round. I can't pinpoint when that necessarily changed, but it seems like at some point 
not too long ago, you had these unbelievable drastic free agent moves in the offseason that took away that sort of cyclical rotation and made it a little bit more of a free-for-all. That was very unpredictable. The teams that are perpetually stuck in rebuilding mode, to me, let's take the Jets, for example, at least for the past couple of seasons. People, people forget that the Jets, not too long ago, made it to the AFC Championship game either two seasons in a row or two out of three seasons under Mark Sanchez's yeah. QB performance. So they they almost got to the big game. But realistically speaking, recently they, they've been in rebuilding mode. And I think, especially in the NFL, coaching is a big deal. So you can put together a good roster of players like the Jets. The Jets have some real good, solid young players. But with the constant rotation of coaches, especially head coaches, they can't get a rhythm going. Uh, Lions, same deal. But you're right, Jack, in the sense that it seems like for many of the teams in the league, it's tough to predict how the season's going to shape up. And so if the NFL, more than any other sport, injuries play such a big role. Uh, take this past season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers started 11-0, and if I recall correctly. They, yeah, they might have even been further than 11-0 at one point, maybe 12-0. Yeah. And then, if again, I, sh- I should know this offhand. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't. But didn't Roethlisberger get hurt for a game well, or two? He, he, yeah, he was kind of struggling with injuries all year just because of his age. But then he was out for a game or two in the backup. Um, Mason Rudolph played. Um, he, I know he played. Well, they, they might have been benching Big Ben week 17 when they played the Browns. But I know Mason Rudolph played the Browns that week. But you're right. Injuries are play. They, they play such a huge role in the NFL. I know the Chiefs, for example – they lost a couple of offensive linemen throughout the later part of the season. And then you saw what happened in the Super Bowl, along with the very talented pass rush, the Buccaneers. Right. But Mahomes seemed to be just running for his life every single play. That is true. You know, what's interesting about the NFL, you know, going back to your point, Jack, about, you know, how do you choose favorites? It seems like every team has several areas where they excel. Perhaps it's in the QB spot and the wide receiver spot the deciding factor seems to be, well, who can excel in that one extra area? So I'll give you an example. Let's take this past season with the New York Giants. There were times during the season that the Giants' defense surprised me in unexpected ways. The offense as well, you know, some of their wide receivers also, I think, surprised me at different points in the season, but their offensive line was terrible. So you can have the best QB, which the Giants don't, no offense to Daniel Jones, but, you know, there's but you could have a good wide receiver core. I mean, Barkley got hurt for the Giants early in the season, which changed the whole tenor of the season. But the offensive line just couldn't get back, couldn't hold up, couldn't compete. So that's one of the main things that held them back. Whereas you take a team like Tampa Bay, for example, who won the Super Bowl, obviously. Well, you got Brady in top form. Their wide receiver core was insane. Gronkowski coming in in the tight end spot was massive. Um I forget what their defensive rankings were, but they certainly had some stand-up players. on. It was a complete package, and that's how I yeah. think you get to the next level. The, chi- the Chiefs, one of the, you know, like you pointed out, Mahomes was constantly under pressure. You got to have solid play at every yeah. level of the game, and that's the deciding factor, I think. It's so tough because that's why I think the Chiefs, as talented as Mahomes will be, I'm pretty vocal Mahomes critic amongst you know anyone who listen to me in my friend group, but just because so he got this max contract, like the biggest quarterback contract ever. But now it's like, where's the money to pay for the talent around him? 
Right. You, you need to have so much money to fill every single position. You look at Tom Brady, and there's a lot of reasons why he can do this. Like he's very wealthy due to independent, you know, brand deals. His wife is like the highest paid model in the world. So like that helps. But he takes like very limited money for the amount for the the amount of accomplishments he's made. Right. Um, you know, he, the greatest of all player without a the greatest of all time, uh, without a doubt, just for his accomplishments alone. And he's able to they they're able to build a team around him because he takes less money versus Mahomes you're going to be paying him so much. You're going to be paying him like at least a quarter of the, your salary cap every year just for one player. How do you expect to bring in talent and pay them a competitive rate at every single position, offensive line, defensive line, uh, linebackers, defensive backs? You just can't do it. And so I right. feel like the key is going to be teams that are able to draft a, a, a young quarterback who's good and kind of make a playoff a Super Bowl push on his rookie contract the first two years and build a good team around him. Right. I don't think like paying quarterbacks or paying running backs is going to be successful for teams in the long run. And I think you just kind of see that every single year. The the Packers, for example, Rodgers got before Mahomes a max contract, and they kind of faltered um, at the same time. Like when things got really serious and you put the best up against the best, it's like they're just not deep enough. So I think the NFL, like you said, it's going to be increasingly like a, an inches game where it's just going to be who has the best at every position, not just a couple. I agree with that. And I think you could take a lot of what you just said and apply it to other sports. So for example, let's talk about major league baseball. I would have thought with the Yankees roster that they've had almost every year that we would have at least won one world series since 2009, which is the last time the Yankees won the world series. I mean, if you look at their team now, you got judge Stanton, Brett Garner, who's a solid player. He's not a star at that level, but Gary Sanchez, um, Glaber Torres, who's a, I think at this point, well-solidified star, even though he's very young, you would think that this team would really have won at least one championship since 2009. But what always happens to them, at least the past couple of seasons is they'll get into the postseason. They'll even make the American league championship series, but they won't win. So one of the things I've really come to believe is it's not a matter of, oh, let's throw multi, you know, $150 million at this one guy and we're going to be guaranteed success. No. I mean, look at the San Diego Padres. They got Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. They're two stellar players signed to massive long-term deals. I don't think that's going to be enough to get the Padres in a major league baseball championship. And the question is whether or not they're going to be so hampered by those contracts, they're going to be able to put together that team. Look at the success that the New York Knicks are having this year. We talked about this before we went on the air tonight. The biggest superstar in the Knicks this year is this guy, Julius Randle. He's, he made the all-star team. He's been amazing to watch. But other than that, there's no real huge star on the Knicks. It's not like watching the Nets where you got, granted, he's injured, but Durant, Harden, um, Blake Griffin also on the bench, but he's there. Uh, Kyrie Irving. You know, those are just some of the biggest names there. Those are four superstars on one franchise. The Knicks don't have that, yet they're playing well for a group of really young players without any marquee names. It's more about now creating team chemistry than bringing in the stars. There have been so many teams that have won championships where maybe they got one stellar player, two household names, but they built the team around them. Uh, look at the uh, example with the Los Angeles Angels. Mike Trout, when you look at his statistics, a lot of people say he's the modern-day version of Mickey Mantle. If you, Some people actually say he could be the greatest baseball player of all time. I think he's been in one postseason series his entire career, and the reason is they have not been able to build a team around him. It's not just a matter of one guy up that can 
hit home runs every few at bats. You need to build a comprehensive franchise. And that's what makes the difference in, in all these leagues nowadays. Absolutely. And it's like, when you look at Tom Brady, why is he the greatest of all time? And I'm not a Patriots fan for anyone who's you know upset with me here. I'm rooted against the Patriots aggressively for many years, but he sacrifices money that he could get at wherever he went because he wants to win. He, he would rather have the ability to pay to put talent around him and win Super Bowls, win postseason games, than have a max contract and be able to be the guy who's like, oh, I have the biggest contract in the NFL. He'd rather be like, I have nine Super Bowl rings or whatever, however many it is. I don't think it's nine. Maybe it's seven or eight. But that's 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 the difference. And that's why the Bucks won last year, even though he's like 50 years old. And that's why they're saying that they're favorites again next year because they honestly didn't lose any talent that I can think of. They brought back two of their key linebackers, Levante David and Shaq Barrett. Right. So, and Gronk, they brought back also. So, yeah, that's the difference. And I'll just add one more thing to that. I don't know if you saw this, Jack, but the Last Dance documentary, which actually was on during the pandemic at the beginning in 2020, all about Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan didn't have Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, all these other supporting players, I'm not sure he would have as many championships as he does, which I think six championships. He's the biggest superstar of all time, perhaps in any sport, but even he needed to have a well-built franchise around him. And I can tell you watching him play against with those bulls teams, because I was, I'm a Knicks fan and they would constantly play the bulls in the postseason. I didn't just fear when Jordan had the ball. I dreaded when Pippen had the ball, BJ Armstrong, Horace Grant, John Paxson, Luke Longley in the center role, Rodman, obviously, um, Roy Harper, a whole, I mean, the team was complete is what I'm saying. Steve Kerr, another example. They had so many weapons that could get you from different ways that it's kind of like the LeBron thing a little bit in the sense that when LeBron was with Miami, if he was by himself, he may not have won those championships, but he had Wade and Bosch along with several other really solid players. Same concept. Yeah, I completely agree. I'll tell you though, seriously, I mean, I, I went to a lot of those Knicks-Bulls games. And, I mean, Jordan was unbelievable. Like, you'd see him on the court, and you just couldn't believe you were looking at him in person. You couldn't believe he was there in front of you. I don't think there's ever been any athlete I've seen play in person since that that makes me feel that way. Uh, Jeter, to a certain degree, like, I couldn't I, – I saw Jeter play all the time. So maybe, it, I don't know, lost some of its excitement. But, I don't know, Jordan, there's never been anyone like him to me. Yeah, I've never seen him play, but he'll be on the podcast next week. No, no, no. Yeah, we can get him on. <laughs> Transitioning a little bit now from NFL talk, Scott and I independently realized we booked vacations that will overlap, which we're excited about. But we're both going to be going um, this summer to the parks. It'll be our first time back in a good amount of time, at least a year for me. I think probably around the same for Scott. And um, we'll be staying, I think we'll actually both be staying through Riviera. And I know I'm excited to be back on the properties, check out, you know, rides that I haven't been able to get to just kind of see how the dynamic is, but I'm excited and also excited to try out the new hotel, but Scott, what are you most looking forward to? Staying at the Riviera, I think is going to be a really nice experience. I have friends that have stayed there. Scott, uh, who has been on the, another Scott who's been on the show quite a few times, stayed there within the past year and raved about the hotel. I'm excited to use their pools, which are very to me, they're very classy and calmer pools than you get at some of the other 
Disney resorts. Not that those those pools are not classy, but they're kind of hyper. You know, a lot going on. The Just Riviera... wait till my family shows up to the pool, Scott, and then <laughs> yeah, that'll change. You're gonna hear somebody screaming, "Keep it down!" <laughs> yep. Oh, you're gonna hear somebody screaming. Is that Jack from the Stuff We Love podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I'm also looking forward to trying out the food at the hotel. Not only do you get Topolino's Terrace, which I'm gonna go to either for breakfast or dinner. I haven't decided yet, but I forget the name of the place, but the quick service restaurant's got some really unique offerings at the Riviera. So I'm excited for that. I love Disney resorts. There's something about them. I also think they got a rooftop bar. Oh, very nice. So uh, the views that you get up there, I think you could see everything from Epcot to Hollywood studio. So hmm. for me, that's what I'm most excited about. How, how about you, Jack? I think a lot of the same. I'm also just excited. It's been so long. Just excited to every time you go there, you can't help but remember all the other times you've been. So I'm excited to kind of experience that nostalgia again. Yeah. It's going to be weird, Jack, because one, we haven't been there in a while. That's the first thing. The second thing is there are all these new rules in place that I really am not ultra familiar with. Like, for example, I was saying the other night to my wife, I said, you know, we should start booking our dinner reservations. And then I realized, I didn't know this, that you can't book until 60 days out. It used to be 180 days out. Now it's 60. So you obviously can't do anything there. Uh, that's just one of the rules. Like, I don't even know offhand. Does Disney still offer FastPass Plus during the pandemic? From what I've heard, there's no FastPass. It's just that like every line because of the social distancing is like as if there was a FastPass. It just, there's not so many people in the park anyways. It's 20% capacity or something. So you don't really need to worry about it. But I could be wrong. Maybe they've changed since they first opened. Jack, let me ask you, on your previous trip experiences, would you get to the park early in the morning or would you be a sort of mid-morning arriver? Well, with the fast pass, it was great because you kind of just schedule your day. So right. I know the last time I, or one of the last times I went was with my friends from high school. And so we just scheduled it. We would not be able to get there early in the morning. So we just scheduled it that uh, it was middle, you know, middle of the day, but the whole day kind of lined up perfectly uh, so just because of how the fast pass works that we kind of right. get everything we wanted. So we usually midday It used to be that you like, you know, you need to get there early to beat the crowds, get the fast passes you wanted, and then you could get out. But uh, recently, just because of how the scheduling works, there was really no reason to rush over. Here's the only thing I'm, I shouldn't say I'm nervous about nervous is the wrong word, but I've been watching a lot of YouTube footage from the parks recently. And it seems like by the middle of the afternoon, some of the big attractions like mine train splash Madden, um, uh, Slinky Dog, for example, they have waits of 60 minutes plus, 75 minutes, that type of thing. Oh, really? So it's got me thinking that I probably should try to get there early in the morning and just go right on several of the big key attractions right from the start. It's, uh, I mean, I like the fast pass system. I really did. Because like you said, you could plan your day around it. It made everything mm -hmm. so much easier. I, it's going to take some getting used to. And who knows what it's yeah. going to be like? We're not going for several months. So yeah. by the time we go, who knows what the rules are going to be? Yeah, things, I think things are progressing so quickly um, and so aggressively. So things could be very different by the time we go. Yeah. Are there any restaurants that you are eager to get back to? I assume we'll hit a lot of our favorites. We usually go to um, the restaurant in Japan, um, in Italy, uh, not like the hibachi one in Japan, more the more sit down one. Right. And then also um, the Annapoli in Italy, we always go to those two we love. Yeah. And then um, we'll throw in a couple other ones here and there, but hopefully those two. When you go to Via Napoli, are there any types of pizzas that you get? Do you have one favorite? We usually get like a big pizza for everyone to kind of split. Yeah. And then maybe if we're really hungry, we'll get like a side dish. But I think we just get the cheese, but we love it. Cheese, cheese is good. 
I also highly recommend the pepperoni pizza. There's something about the pepperoni. I don't know what okay. it is that they serve there. It's top of the line. It's good now stuff. That I'm, now that I'm a born and raised in the city, since I've been here for a year or two, I have to recommend some pizza places to you. Yes. Um, I know there's one since you mentioned pepperoni. It's called John on Bleecker Street. I don't know if you've heard of it. I, there, there was a John's at Times Square. Is it the same one? I think it's different. Okay. But they're known for like their pepperoni pizzas they're, they're really good yeah, and uh, good. like we last we went recently in the midst of covid and like just had a line out the door down the block yeah and um it was good so just because you mentioned that you'll have to check that out forever in the area i do love pepperoni pizza it's good it's, it's really good. Good. I'm, not, I'm not even a pepperoni guy but it got me so anyone else in your family like pepperoni pizza um probably my other brother honestly i don't know we're pretty we're pretty plain folk you know, we just eat cheese, no complaints. Yeah. Well, the cheese pizza at Via Napoli is great. And there are dishes yeah. there. The other dishes are good too. The only complaint yeah. I have, we often get mozzarella caprese as an appetizer and it's a small portion at Via Napoli. That's one of the only complaints. Oh, they, they surcharge the heck out of all the food. It's sure. absurdly expensive, but I mean, it's Disney, you know, it wouldn't be if it wasn't. So do you remember? So this is interesting, Jack, because I was there last January of 2020 and that's not the trip I'm thinking of. I think it was like August 2019, I saw you there. And we had Ghirardelli ice cream at Disney Springs. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was good. Day. What's that? Or like the evening. It, it was evening. It wasn't, yeah. 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 I remember. That the best ice cream. I really am eager to get back to Disney Springs because there's been new stuff that's open since I was there. I mean, you could literally take a two-week vacation at Disney World and every single night go to dinner at Disney Springs and have a new experience every night. That's how yeah. amazing that place is. Yeah, they've, they've really done a great job of building it up from what it used yeah. to be when it was downtown Disney. Toward for Disney. sure, for sure. Uh, but we'll be reporting to you on our trip. We'll certainly give very detailed trip reports when we return. And we'll share some highlights of our planning with you as the uh, as the trip gets closer. Trips, I should say, plural. Yes, yes. Uh, and we'll give a full report on Riviera for sure. I know they're getting ready for, for our arrivals. They're lining up. Oh, the yes. Carpet. High anticipation. Uh, so, Jack, with that, we're going to turn to the Stuff We Love segment. This is the part of the show where tonight we're going to be telling our listeners about what something we recommend. Could be a movie, TV show, song, band, app, whatever it is. Do you want to go first, sir? Yeah, sure. So okay. my recommendation, it's not new. It's not anything. You've, you've, maybe you've seen this. It's a band called empire of the sun and i i discovered them sky are you familiar with them yes okay because i recently discovered them they're not a new band by any means they've been out for a good amount of time but i just recently discovered their music and if you're if you're still coming out of the you know quarantine blues or whatever you want to call it and you need some really just like fun uh good music i highly recommend it so that if you're work, i always listen to it when i work out it's great so i highly it's recommend it great uh, workout music their big song was Walking on a dream. Is that the name of the song? Working on it. Yep. Oh. That's correct. I now I got to I don't want to. Well, there, it, that's one of the, I think that's the refrain, but the name of the song is um, we are the people or no, you're right. Walking on a dream right here. Yep. Walking on a dream. We are the people is another one of their big songs. Yeah. Yes. So their big song is walking on a dream. And that is just, I've heard that in movies. It's got this real club feel to it. This R and B dance type sound. I love it. That's what introduced me to the group. And then yeah. I got into their deeper catalog. It's just cool music. It's got a, it's a, the whole music is a vibe. Like they say, it, it, really, it is. And I haven't, it's a very unique sound. I feel like, and I saw a cool interview and he's like, Oh, 
I don't know what he goes, oh, music always is so uh, emotional nowadays. He goes, we just want to be fun and talk about like crazy stuff. And that's what they yeah. do. So, yeah, that's a great recommendation, Jack. And my other recommendation, I don't know if I told you about this, but I know you're really going to want this because you're a big fan of Queen. We've talked about that. Yes. There is a new app. It's called Queen Rock Tour. It's got 3.1 thousand reviews with an average rating of five stars on the app store. And if you remember the garage um, guitar hero and rock band video games, it's a similar mm -hmm. concept where it's officially licensed by queen. You get to tap the screen of your iPhone or your iPad in response to certain images on the screen. And the better you do, the more accurate you are in your tapping, the more co correct the music sounds. Mm -hmm. And as you complete the songs, you unlock vintage photos and archival stuff from queen and you get to play a lot of their legendary gigs so if you're a fan of queen i highly recommend this game it has a lot of their hit songs that's great some of their deeper cuts it was one of the apps that was featured by apple and i always pay attention to that and then when i saw that it was queen because i'm also a big fan of them i was like oh this this is really cool yeah so i downloaded it it's free to download but i think you got to pay three bucks for the full game which isn't much speaking of queen this is a much more relevant uh, recommendation I have to make. I'm going to break the rules a little bit and give two. Go There's ahead. a band called uh, Greta Van Fleet. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of them, Scott. Yes. They just released a new, three new singles on their upcoming album. And it's the reason Queen reminded me is because they're a, a band you'd think came right out of the 70s or 80s, 70s or 80s rock band. But right. they're all young. They're all probably in their 20s. And they put out a music that, frankly, you just do, do not hear on the radios, but they're getting a lot of traction. And they, like I said, they've released at least one or two albums before, but they just released three singles of their new album that's coming out. And highly recommend you guys check them out. Greta Van Fleet. That's a great recommendation as well. I am not too familiar with them. I know Joe, one of our other co-hosts is more familiar with them, but I am, I trust your opinion on music a hundred percent. You've introduced me to a lot of great stuff. So I am going to check them out. Uh, one of the things, Jack, that, I feel bad for you on is that normally like in your college days, going to school in New York to go to live music, it's a big deal. You know, all these yes. clubs in the city and they're obviously not doing that now, but I remember like, I'm, I'm getting all nostalgic on the show, Jack. Talking about <laughs> well, Michael Jordan. They're, they're trying, they're being yeah. smart. They're, they're doing temperature checks, you know, wear the mask all the time. They are, I'm still, I have seen like some kinds of uh, bars and stuff opening and such. Yeah. Um, and they're being, they're trying to be as careful as they can be. So, you know, hope, and it seems like some live music this summer, at least the musicians are already booking, con are already scheduling concerts. There are concerts. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Did you see the Grammys, by the way? No, I saw that their viewership dropped by 60, 70%, but I didn't see the Grammys just because I, I just feel like the Grammys sometimes they, they, they step away too much from the actual artistry and it's, it's about other things. So. That's that reminds me, and, and we'll conclude with this because that reminds me of something you just said of one other thing I wanted to mention tonight. It's not a major thing, but we were talking about movies. And you're right, the Grammy ratings were horrendous this year, which yeah. really surprised me because I knew they would be lower, but I was amazed at just how much they dropped off. Yeah. I am really eager to see how low the ratings for the Academy Awards are because yeah. they announced the nominations earlier this week. And I would say 85% of the, the public have not seen a single one of the best picture nominees. Mm -hmm. um, I consider myself a big movie fan. You're a big movie fan. We see tons of movies and this is, I have zero interest this year in the Oscars, literally zero other than how low the ratings are going to be. And I feel bad about that because these are, there's people that work on the show and, but it's just, 
I don't know. I, I, I yeah. really don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what the outcome is. Yeah, me too. And with that, Jack, I'll tell our listeners where they can find the Stuff We Love podcast. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. You can write to us, Stuff We Love Podcast at gmail.com. Our website is Stuff We Love Podcast.podbean.com. We have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel as well. One of the things, Jack, for sure about our upcoming trips, we'll be putting a lot of new content on the YouTube channel, which we're really excited for. So please subscribe if you haven't done so already. And subscribe to the podcast itself on all podcast platforms like Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Prime. We are on all of them. And uh, with that, Jack, I uh, wish you well. Look forward to doing another show soon, my friend. Yes, looking forward to it. And uh, hope all of our listeners stay well. So we'll go around the table one more time. I'm Scott. I'm Jack. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.